Welcome to the Sunday Message Podcast of Bethany Church in Fresno, California. We hope this message will encourage and equip you as you grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. If today's message helps you, share it with a friend. If you would like to know more about the ministry of Bethany Church, please reach out on Facebook or at BethanyChurchFresno.com. And now, here's this week's message. Hey, if you have your Bibles, I'd love to have you turn with me to the book of Ephesians. We are week two in this new teaching series we're calling United. Uh, and this weekend's message, we're calling it uh, United in Commonality. Um, I always try to give you a little bit of a heads up of like where we're going. Next weekend, as Victor did, did such a good job mentioning, next weekend, we're going to have a special time of prayer in our service. And it's just a, it's a back to school Sunday prayer. And we want to be praying for not only our students, because I know that going to school is, it's not easy sometimes, right? Especially for those kids that just want to be on perpetual summer break. Uh, and for some of you, uh, for, we, but as I've gotten to know the Bethany Church community, we have a lot of educators and administrators and teachers. And we want to just pray that this would be a special year in the life um, of the, our ability to, to be in the schools um, and, and to make a difference for Christ. I know our family, we're a Fresno Christian family um, and uh, the Reimer family as well, others. Uh, I know Emmanuel started this last week. I know Fresno Unified starts this next week and then Clovis the weekend after that. You know what that means? That means that it's going to get a lot busier on the streets in Fresno and Clovis as well in the mornings. And so make sure that you're keeping your smiles on your face, especially if you have a Bethany sticker on your window of your car as well. But we want to make sure that we are that we are in those schools, whether it's private or whether it's public, and we are we're allowing ourselves to be the light of Christ there. Amen, church. So that's going to be next weekend. So make sure that you're coming prepared for that. Um, uh, for those of you who weren't here last week, uh, we did kick off the series as I mentioned. We're calling it United, and and this is a book. Uh, that was written by the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, wrote it from prison in Rome, and he wrote it to uh, a country that we now call Turkey. I've got the picture that you guys, you know, I got like a lot of comments last week, like, man, we love the maps. I'm like, okay, great, right? It's so, like Dora the Explorer, right? So maps, the maps, right? So Turkey, there to the right, you see where Greece is, and, and where, the, where, the, where the red dot is, that is the location of where this church is to this day, there are some ruins that are there, but this is the location in the world. Now, the other map, which is the one that you really liked, is the one that shows some of the churches that the, Apol- the Apostle Paul wrote to. Um, and whether it's a church in Ephesus, Galatia, Philippi, Thessalonica, or Corinth, these were all a part of these epistles that Paul wrote from prison to this different culture and to this different world. Now, the interesting part about Ephesus is, is that it was a secular, non-Jewish uh, uh, culture. So whereas we learned on the Sermon on the Mount, this is for Jewish people. Now uh, he's writing to a bunch of Gentiles, which is good news for us because most of us are Gentiles in here. And, and what I like about this book is, is that it shows us, it shows us how we um, as believers can, can live in community with other Christians and, and, and not a perfect church. And by the way, if you find a perfect church, don't go there because it won't be perfect anymore, right? So, so this is not a perfect church that we're going. <laughs> Corey liked that one. He, yeah, <laughs> sorry about that, Corey. Uh, so, so what are some things that we see in this, 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 uh, this, 
this book of Ephesians. Well, there's three things. I shared it with you last week. They're on your notes. Pull out your notes real quick. There's three words. One of them is sit. The other word um, is walk. And the third word is stand. And these are the three important words that are going to be really guiding our six weeks together through the six chapters of Ephesians. We may extend it to seven or eight weeks because we're only going to take on 10 verses this morning. Now, last week we looked at identity and the word sit. Uh, If you missed it, you can go onto YouTube. You can watch it again. But here's the big idea from last week is that being seated in Christ, this is our identity. And a lot of things break down when we don't know who we are in Christ. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that today. This week's message is going to go to the next part, and that is going to be this whole idea of walking, that we walk out our faith. And the idea here would be that how, Bethany, we are living this out is going to show people that we are believers, that we're unified in Christ. And then at the end of Ephesians, and throughout it actually, the Apostle Paul, even today in our text, is going to talk about some of the spiritual realities of this world that we're living in. Um, But the last part is going to be this idea of standing, that we're going to be able to stand against the enemy And the result is our victory in him. But here's the big idea from last week and really kind of the big idea for the series. And that is, is that our identity and for us to have uh, any kind of unity, it's going to have to come from who we are in Christ Jesus. And last week I handed out, and there's actually a couple of these left, and they're going to be out in the resource center, but these little reading plans of who we are in Christ Jesus. And next to every one of these three words are Bible verses that support this idea of having our identity in Christ Jesus. And not my idea, but one from a great book that I mentioned here, that we are accepted in Christ, that we are secure in Christ, and we find our significance in Christ in Christ alone. And so there are some of you today and you're wondering, where do you fit into the church? How does your story, how does your testimony, how do your life experiences fit into this? I need you to know that you are in good hands. You're in great company and you're at the right place. So last week we were looking at in chapter one, our identity, and now we're going to move into chapter two. And I'm going to read the first 10 verses of chapter 2. If you would, go ahead and follow along with me. It's going to also be up on the screens as well. So whatever translation you like, I'm choosing the NIV today. Here we go. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the rulers of the kingdom of the air. That's Ephesians 6 stuff, by the way. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Verse three, all of us, everyone say all of us. All means all, all the time. Okay, that's all of us. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following the desires of our thoughts. Like the rest, we, everyone say we, we. Okay, so there's a commonality that's happening here. All and we. We were um, by very nature deserving of wrath. I love verse four, but whenever there's a word, but in scripture, it's there, it's, it's a transitional word, which means because of this, but, and now, so, but because of his great love for us, that's the love of God through Christ Jesus, by the way, who is rich in mercy. We talked about that on the sermon on the Mount made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions. So we were all sinful, right? And this cool thing happened right here. Look at this. It is by grace that you've been saved. And God raised us up, metaphorically, even coming up out of baptism, new life in Jesus Christ, and seated us with Him, this whole idea of sitting um, in the heavenly realms of Christ, in order that in the coming ages, which we're kind of a part of and to come, 
Uh, in the coming ages, he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. And I would just hope, Bethany, that we could be a part of this coming age together. That we could experience these riches that the Apostle Paul is talking about. That we'd be rich in grace and rich in faith and rich in mercy and rich in love. Expressing the kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not from yourself. This is what everyone, a gift of God. Uh, by no works so that nobody can boast. And then the final verse is this. Is that for we are now God's handiwork. Uh, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared us in advance for who to do, everyone? Us to do. Do you hear the unity in this? Do you hear the commonality in this? Do you hear what, what God is doing in this Scripture? He is drawing us in. He's wanting us to walk in unity with each other. And there's, there's going to be a commonality that happens with this. Before I pray for our time together that we have left in God's Word, I just want to plead with you, church, that you would become men and women of God's Word. Um, there's just so much going on in our world right now. There's so many things you look at that look just, they look beyond redeemable and repairable. But I'm telling you that God's word is a guidebook for life. God's word will, will guide our life and our steps. And, and if you're coming to or listening in, uh, one day a week, and this is, this is your meal for the week spiritually, you will be malnourished. And so the way we're going to be able to live this out and be this kind of a people is going to be if we're going to be men and women and people of the word. Does that make sense, church? I can't do it for you. I can only continue to try to salt the oats that you become thirsty for the things of the spirit. And God, we, I just know that, that God's word is alive. It's active. It's God breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. Friends, this is the word, the breath of God. This is our hope. This is our guidebook. And we, we need more of, of God's love and His Word in our life. Amen, church? So let's pray. So Lord God, as we now kind of delve into just like, what does this mean, God? You've, we've read Your Word. So Holy Spirit, would You now just read us? Would You reveal to us what it is that we need to do today so that we can be more closely uh, identified as Your followers, God? We love You so much. Would You just have Your way in us and with us today? And it's your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Two words that I want you to say out loud with me. First word is unity. Everyone say unity. Unity. And the other word that I want you to say is commonality. Say commonality. commonality. So these are the ideas that I want you to kind of think about. You don't even have to agree with me. I want you to ponder these two words that is going to be our commonality in Christ. That is going to you, that's going to lead to the unity that we're going to experience as the body. That is the idea. And I just had this dream. I actually got a little emotional thinking about it. Like, what would it look like if hundreds of us left here today, Bethany, and we embrace this message in our homes and at lunch and at school tomorrow, at our workplace? If we really became people that live this out, believe this, with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. I think it could be incredibly powerful because I think at our very heart, we want to be a part of something greater together than we could ever have on our own. Uh, maybe, maybe it's the pastor in me that my calling, my gifting from God, or maybe it's my loves and my interests. You know, I, I love, I love sports. Show of hands. How many of you guys love sports? Can I see my sports people? Oh, that's concerning. We don't have enough. All right. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna need to work on that, Joe. Right? All right. So, um, so I love sports. I, I, I'm a, a golf coach. Didn't say I'm a good golfer. Golf coach. Um, 
currently a chaplain for the Fresno um, Fuego. So I love being around sports. And there's something about being in a locker room, being, being together with other athletes and a team where you kind of come together and, and, and you achieve more together than you could have ever on your own. If you ever played a sport, you guys know what I'm talking about. It's beautiful. And some of my favorite movies of all time are like sports movies. Um, uh, Anyone ever watch Hoosiers, the movie Hoosiers, right? Yeah, more of you like watch Hoosiers than are sports fans. Okay, good. So the idea of a Hoosiers is that this is like this no-name small school in Indiana and they, 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 they basically come together and they get to play the state championship. And kind of the deal there is the coach comes together and measures the length of the, the, the court and the height of the basket and, and they say, hey, it's, it doesn't matter if we're in an arena or we're in our little podunk cafeteria, it's still basketball, it's still the ball. And he brings them together. And I'm not going to give it, I'm not going to give the, 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 but I think you know how it ends, right? There's a lot of great football movies out there. Remember the Titans? That's a good one, right? Where they kind of come together and they, they're able to achieve together more. I don't, I don't like hockey. And I know there's some Canadians here. And so you kind of are judging me now, not so quietly. You're scowling, you're crossing your arms, right? I don't care for it, but I do like the movie, The Mighty Ducks. You guys ever watch The Mighty Ducks, right? Yeah, yeah. You're like, well, I'm, I've got, I watch Disney. Of course I watch The Mighty Ducks. It's free. Uh, and so, but there was this thing where they would take the sticks and they'd hit the sticks on the, on the ice. And what would they do? They would say what? Quack, quack, quack. I know you're like, oh, this is weird, Brent. You know, you're, you're talking about everything but Jesus right now. No, I am getting there. Trust me when I say this, that, that there was something about coming together, unified, it made them to want to do, want to do even greater things. Okay, uh, uh, let me get out of sports real quick and, and one other one. Uh, Mel Gibson movie, Braveheart. Really nothing more manly than him running around in tights, right? You know what I mean? That's really, really, but there was this famous, famous thing that he said, is that you can take our life, but you can't take what? Our freedom. So there's this thing where I think that, that like Hollywood even gets it. They've mastered it. Disney especially. The idea of the power of unity, a villain and a hero. And so when we're looking at this mega narrative of what's happening in our faith, there are some similarities. And, and, and the similarities is, is simply this, is that as a nation right now, we're experiencing a lot of negativity, a lot of division. A lot of polarization. A lot of people hypothesizing and and posturing against each other to the point where some of us don't even want to turn on the TV anymore or even look on the internet. It's just, it's kind of ugly. And, And I wish I could say it was just in our nation, but it's in our city. It's in our schools. It's in our homes, neighborhoods. And sadly, sometimes it's in the church. Sometimes it might even be here. And, and, And so, 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 there is this need for us to acknowledge that there is some disunity out there in the world. Agree, everybody? And, and, and there is a need, I think, collectively where we're saying to each other is like, we want to desire to be unified in something greater than our disunity. There needs to be a commonality is what I'm getting at. So my point is I have good news and bad news. And what I'm discovering about Bethany is that you're definitely a bad news church first. You want the bad news first. You don't want me to candy coat it. You're like, just, pastor, just give it to me straight, right? Let me know how it goes. All right. So here's the bad news, and I'll give you the good news. The bad news is, is that not only is there division and disunity now, but there's been for thousands of years. 
Our world is not experiencing anything more broken now than it has 2,000 years ago. Do you guys agree with me on that? They're like, oh no, it's worse now. No, it's not. The, the, it, this, this world has been broken for a really, really long time. And the church has experienced and Christians have experienced division on some really unpleasant things for a really, really long time. See, that's the bad news. The bad news is, is there's disunity and division everywhere. But can I share some good news? Church, someone say, share some good news, pastor. All right. Here's the good news, friends, is that in Christ, we can experience unity. In Christ, we can experience a transformative thing that we can't even put into words when we accept the commonality of our shared experience. You might be thinking to yourself, well, where is this in Scripture? It is all over the book of Ephesians. Ephesians was a fractured, broken church. They were divided. They were not unified. This is why Paul is writing to them. And they were divided over this. The newbies and the OGs. The old school people and the new school people. See, they'd had a bunch of people there. and they, I mean, they were there from the beginning. They were there when the church got started. They helped. They had, they, 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 I mean, they were sitting in the same pew. I don't know if they had pews back then, but if they did, they're sitting in the same pew that maybe they built. And they have all these experiences. They might even have a secret handshake. And then, and then lo and behold, this young buck Timothy comes in. He starts preaching the gospel and doggone it, people start getting saved. And then worse yet, they started coming to their church. Can you imagine that? They came to the church and guess what? They didn't look the same. They didn't dress the same. They didn't talk the same. They didn't know the code. We're bad news first, not good news first. That's the code. And it created division. Created disunity. Create a group of people that are like, you gotta clean up before you can come in. You see, they had people that were worshiping the goddess of fertility the week before getting saved and coming to church the next day. And people are like, oh, I don't really like the way they're worshiping. It seems a little provocative. Well, of course it does. They were worshiping a pagan god yesterday. They come into the Jesus who changes everything Today, and sanctification and transformation, though it's eternal instantly, it is a process. Amen. So all of a sudden, you got this church that's divided. And they're kind of fighting over silly stuff, right? Like, do we have, like, creamer that's dairy-free or vegan, right? You know, they're fighting. You guys think I'm joking. People fight and disagree over the silliest stuff. But the unity that Paul is saying isn't going to be based on your your differences, but rather it's going to be upon your commonality. It's going to be where you choose to gaze and look and focus. So here's really the idea. You don't have to like it. I'm just going to share it. And then I'm going to give you three ideas why I think I'm right and you're wrong. Okay, number one, here's why. Because you're going to you're going to choose to focus on something that is going to unite us or you will get stuck in something that will divide you. Number one, if you would write this down, we are all from the same place. If you would write that down, we're all from the same place. And as Paul is going to say here, the same place that we're from is a place of brokenness when we were dead in our sins. Let's go ahead and read the first three verses real quick. As for you, you were dead. In your transgressions and sins in which you used to live, 
When the falling ways of the world and the rulers of the kingdom of the air, the Spirit who is now at work in those that are disobedient. Next verse, verse 3. All of us. Everyone say, all of us. Last I checked, that's commonality. All of us lived among them at one time, gratifying our cravings and flesh and falling desires and thoughts like the rest. Everyone say, we. Commonality here. Uh, we're by nature deserving of the wrath. You see, we had a commonality. We are all from the same place, the same hometown. Ready for this hometown? Hometown is Centerville, USA, population, everybody. All of us sin. All of us fallen short of the glory of God. A common place of heritage. Uh, for those of you who like to travel, especially those of you that like to travel internationally, you know there's something about being from the same hometown or the same nation. Let, let's say you're in France or let's say you're in Italy and you're there and you're, you're listening to a different language and then you're in a square or you're in a hotel lobby and all of a sudden you hear English being spoken. Isn't it interesting how all of a sudden you're like, oh, I hear English. And even the most introverted of people are going to get it up, they're going to walk across the lobby, and then, what are they, they going to ask? Where are you? And then if you, if, you, if you recognize like a little southern drawl, you understand that Texas howdy, you can kind of sort of hear based on their influx where they're from. And, and the same is true as people of faith. We're, we're all from the, the, the same place. And there is a connection that we have spiritually. We may look different. Our stories may be different. We, we may, uh, we may come from a different expression, but we all got there the same way. If you would write that down. Number two, we're, we all enter the same way. See, we're, we're all sinful. So we have that in common. And here's the truth. None of us was born a Christian. Let me say it again. Though your first memories might be in a church crib, you were not born saved. You were born into what kind of a world? A broken and a sinful world. And so we're, we all entered the same way. How did we enter? We entered through what Jesus did for us, not what we did for Him. That it is by grace that we've been saved, not by what we've done. Look at verse 4. But because of His great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. And even when we were dead in our transgressions, that it is by grace that you have been saved and God gave us up. He seated us in Him in the heavenly realms in order that in the coming ages He might show His in, in, in comparable riches of His grace and His kindness in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith, not from yourself. It is what everyone, a gift of God. You see, we have incredible unity in our commonality. We have a shared experience, a shared hometown, and we've entered the same way, not based on our invitation, but by what Christ has invited us into. Now, I love to golf. And uh, it was a couple of months ago, I was given an incredible opportunity to get to go golf at a prestigious golf course. Um, Hank Swanks. No, I'm joking. Not Hank Swanks. No, no, no. I got the opportunity to go over to Carmel, California, and I got to play Pebble Beach Golf Course. I know. Oh, thanks, Val. I appreciate that. Yeah. And 
And it's a really, really, I mean, show of hands, have you guys ever heard of Pebble Beach Golf Course? I mean, yeah, okay, so whether you like to golf or not, you guys have seen it, you guys know, it's like, it's a pretty cool place. Um, but not only was it a cool opportunity to get to go, because it's pretty hard to get on and it's super spindy, but I got invited by a friend, um, let's just call him Scott, uh, and Scott invited me to be his guest at Pebble Beach. And not only was I going to be a guest at Pebble Beach, but come to find out Scott is a business partner and good friends with the people that own Pebble Beach. That's kind of cool. So all of a sudden, we're coming into the parking lot and uh, they ask, hey, what time is your tea time? And we're like, oh, like 7.40. They're like, no, nah, tea times don't happen until after 8. Like, well, it says on the text 7.40. Call the clubhouse. Uh, some joker down here thinks he's going to play before 8 o'clock. What's his name? Uh, Brent, that means nothing. I'm like, uh, say Scott. Scott. Oh yeah. Bring him on down. Well, Scott had arranged for this special event for some of his buddies to get to go play golf at Pebble Beach. And he got us on Pebble Beach before you're supposed to get on Pebble Beach. The first two groups out getting to play one of the most gorgeous, iconic golf courses in the entire world. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. I could have never done that on my own. I could have called in and I could have said, hey, I'd really like, you know, hey, could you squeeze me in ahead of everyone else? And they would have laughed at me. They have all these rules of why you're not supposed to do that. But because I was invited by who? Scott. I was on the list. And I got access to this incredible bucket list opportunity. Now, why do I share that with you? Because, friends, I need you to know that that's us in Christ. We, 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 we were invited for the permission to play for one of the greatest gifts of all time, salvation in Jesus Christ. And you can't earn it or deserve it. You can't fake it. You can't bribe your way onto the list. I suppose you could try to run out there. You'll get arrested for trespassing. But we have this opportunity, this invitation in Christ Jesus by the blood of the Lamb to have this access. By grace we've been saved And here's an interesting thing. I want to put this up on the screen too. This next verse, verse 9, so that no one can boast. It's really interesting. You're like, well, pastor, sounds like you're boasting right now. No, I'm not boasting in me. I'm boasting in the opportunity that I was provided. I'm not boasting what I've done. I'm boasting in the opportunity that was created for me by the invitation. See, apparently there was some boasting going on in the early church. Maybe people were boasting about who they were, maybe their, their spiritual experiences, you know, maybe, maybe they were able to, maybe they got to go to Israel and get baptized in the Jordan river. I don't know. Right. Whatever those experiences were, there was some boasting going on based on who they were, who they know, maybe their family, maybe some kind of a, some kind of experience that they'd had that no one else had had. And I think what Paul is saying is this is stop it. Stop it with the boasting. Stop it with the spirit of superiority pride that's going to creep in because I need you to know that pride always leads to the fall, to death. A critical spirit will be a divided heart and it is not a sign of spiritual maturity but rather immaturity and it is not united. It is divisive. So Paul says, nobody can boast. But for those of you, maybe you've experienced some church hurt. Maybe you've experienced some Christian hurt. Maybe, maybe you're walking in here. You're watching online. You're trying to decide, is Bethany a safe place for me to come? I need you to know that there's no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus our Lord. We did not earn our way into this deal. 
Jesus Christ paid the ultimate price so that we could have access. And that is good news. Amen. Amen. Friends, and that is what's going to unite us. It is the commonality and the unity that we will have. We all enter the same way. We all are from the same place. Centerville, USA, all of us. And number three, if you would write this down, we all share the same purpose. We all share the same purpose. So you have a common enemy and the enemy is, is, is not the person at the end of the row or the church down the street. But friends, our enemy is the evil one, the divider, the deceiver, the one who loves to divide. He loves disunity. And, and our purpose is, is that God is wanting to graft us together to be this beautiful expression of him to this world. Um, I love how the Apostle Paul puts it here real quick. Comes up and he says these words. For we, everybody say we. We are God's handiwork. Now that word handiwork in your translation, maybe it says masterpiece. Um, possibly it says workmanship. But in, in the original language, that word handiwork, uh, it means like artwork, like a masterpiece or like a poem. And so some of you gals are leaning in like, oh, I like poems, right? Yeah, yeah. Poems are nice. Golf, not so much. Poems are great. So men, stick with me real quick. A poem is simply um, a meaningful uh, message, like with a purpose. That's what a poem is. It's meaningful. It's a meaningful purpose. And, and what God is saying is, is that believer, you are a messenger. And the question that we got to wrestle with is what kind of messages are we sending what, what, what kind of, what, what, what anthem are we singing? That we are His handiwork, His message. Who are we in, everybody? We are what? In Christ. We're accepted, secure, and significant. To do what, everyone? Good works. Like embracing refugees. Which God prepared us in advance. Do you think God is surprised by the events that are happening right here at Bethany Church? Yes or no? Absolutely not. Not one bit. He is all-knowing. He knows what's going to happen tomorrow. A sparrow does not fall without his knowledge. He allows things to happen and he is, he is giving us this opportunity, church, to have a commonality, to be united in Christ, in Christ alone. You see, I think we can, we can choose to look in at like what divides us or we can make the decision of what we will be known for. It's either what we're against or what we're for. I'd rather be known for who we are in Christ and his amazing love for us that changed us and can then change other people. Amen, church? All right. Hey, we're getting ready to kind of close this up. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to give you the outcome. Here's the outcome. Here's the last thing. And then you can go back to sleep. Okay, here it is right here, right? Walking together in unity. It's powerful. It's powerful. There, there is, there's, there's power in unity. I talked about movies. I've talked about songs. We've talked about sporting events. But I'm just saying this is as a faith family. When we are united in Christ, it's a beautiful thing. And so what we're wanting to do is we're, we're wanting to do more and more of that as this new thing that God is doing. He's been doing cool things. He's doing something cool and he'll continue to do great things. And so I wanted to, I wanted to give you my heart for something that's going to happen at the end of this month. Um, we've got a church picnic. Okay. Like a barbecue. Trust me. There'll be meat, men. Okay. Be there. Right. Okay. And it's going to be great. And the idea there is going to be is that we will leave here right after our gathering together and we're just going to be a family and we're going to we're going to break bread 
we're going we're gonna to share a meal together. And there's some of you that are thinking like, but I don't know those people. That's because you're newer to the family. You're in the lobby in another part of the country, in the world, and, and I want you to listen for the voice. Because for us to place ourselves in community, we need to have a shared commonality. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to kind of create this opportunity. It's kind of like, it's like, it's just this opportunity for us to be the church family. I know Janice did a great job of kind of joking about business meetings and they're important and they are, but this is really important. This is really important that we would be known as the kind of people that love each other because of God's love for us first. Amen, church? I'm going to ask Janice to come up here. Uh, and speaking of Janice, because uh, she just uh, uh, was pretty funny and gave me a good segue there. Uh, but I've enjoyed, really enjoyed getting to know Janice over the course of these past several months. I'm moving into to month number three. I'll put you in the victor seat of honor. People can still see you. You're not that short. That's good, right? Uh, uh, but probably not a surprise for, for some of you, but maybe new information for others of you. But I wanted you to know uh, that, that Janice uh, has been sensing and feeling that after seven, eight years of being in vocational ministry to our students here at Bethany Church, that season's coming to an end, to transition uh, into what the Lord has next for you. And that's going to be happening at the end of this month. Uh, coincidentally, maybe around a church picnic. I'm not sure about that. You may or may not have made some of your suggestions of what good food may come at that as well. But um, all joking aside, I was, I was able to kind of be kind of a creeper pastor on Wednesday night and walk in here and watch you share the news of your transition to our youth group. And it was just so cool for them to just wrap their hands around you and arms around you and just thank you for your your service. And, uh, and also for those that you've shared with um, these last years, you've made a huge difference and a big impact. And you're not leaving right now. You're going to be here. You're going to be meeting with the, the students and we're going to be having a meeting next Sunday after church with the parents to kind of talk about some transition things that are happening. And then at the end of the month, she'll officially kind of transition in uh, to what the Lord has next for her. But what I just wanted to say is, is Janice, thank you. Thank you for your service to this place. And thank you for uh, your love for God and your love for people uh, and our shared love to reach people um, that are hard to reach. Um, and uh, because I really feel like God loves the whole world, but he's got a special heart for people um, that are running from him right now. And, and, I, and I know we have a shared heart that this would be a church that would, that would be a safe place for people to come as they are, encounter Christ, and leave changed. So, so I want to pray for Janice. We're going to close in a time of prayer after that. But would you thank me uh, for Janice's service here at Bethany Church for these last <laughs> seven, eight years? I'm going to ask that you stay standing and we're going to, we're going to conclude our time together in worship uh, with this final song. But um, I would love to pray for you and pray for our church. Would you join me, church, in prayer? If you feel comfortable, extend your hand uh, to the stage. That would be great. So God, we love you so much. We're so thankful that, um, gosh, Janice, you made me cry. Darn it. All right. So God, that you're doing something really cool and we don't know all that you're doing. But you do. Lord God, you love this world so much that you gave your one and only son. 
But who'd ever believe in Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And that life doesn't have to start the day that we breathe our last breath, but it can start now. So, so Holy Spirit, would you continue to raise up a spirit of, of, of unity in our church, but also a sense of the commonality that we have? And though we, we don't always agree on, on, on some of the things, God, at the end of the day, we, we, we agree that Jesus, you're the difference maker. You're the one that, that, that has, that has restored sight to blinds and you've resurrected dead things to life. And so God, would you have your way here in us? I'm thankful for Janice and for the last seven, eight years of her faithful service here, God, the impact that she's made and for some of those students that are going to be stepping up, God, uh, into the future, the ripples of that leadership and that investment in the next generation, God, as a testimony to what you're doing in this place. We're thankful for Janice. We're thankful for your church, God. We're thankful that when we lift high the name of Jesus, you'll draw all people to yourself. And so as we close our time together with this last song, we praise that you would be magnified. We pray that you'd be glorified. But above all, God, that, that you would be honored, that we really do desire to honor you with our hearts and our lives in Christ Jesus. And it's in the powerful name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. Know that God loves you more than you can imagine. And for everything Bethany Church, check out BethanyChurchFresno.com.